0: Welcome to our newest season of Humane Podcast in 2021. Humane is your first look at the startups and industry titans that are leading and disrupting ML and AI, data science, developer tools, and technical education. I am your host, David Jacobovich, and this is Humane. If you like this episode, remember to subscribe and leave a review. Now, on to our show. welcome everyone back to the humane podcast this week we are pleased to talk all about data and the rapid scale of data through enterprise companies through startups and the entire industry with us today is Ken Groey who is the president and chief revenue officer of Weka. Ken thanks so much for joining us on the show
2: David longtime listener I can't believe I'm actually on I'm so honored to be out here and talk to all your listeners and uh, hopefully they add value to your day in some small way
0: Thank you, thank you so much. And you know, in 2021, uh, everything is about data. We've seen as we've emerged from the pandemic how every company is scaling. Every company is a technology and a data company. So I'd love you to start with our listeners. Tell us a little bit about Weka and why now is a great time to get involved in the data space.
2: Well, great. Yes, I'm glad your listeners. Uh, first off, they're technically by nature. If you're listening to your show, which is great, and because I listen to it as well, but. You no, know, Weka, as you, you probably know, and some of the folks that might be data scientists listening in they are short for WekaByte. So it's 10 to the 30th power. That's a good way to future proof it. Um, it's all you can fit in a file system. And uh, some of our friends who worked at Google probably know how the origin of Google came out from 10 to the 100th power. But uh, Weka does a great job as we actually have a limitless data platform. So a new way to do storage. It's all software, it's all sold as a subscription through the people you're buying from every day. So if you run it through AWS, in the cloud or on-premises with Hewlett-Packard, it's a great way to get things done and solve big problems. Specifically, the reason we've been in the news so often is, let's say you're doing one of the biggest races of all time and you have to have, I don't know, a vaccine for COVID in your hands. And you're one of the companies that, you know the household names that are going through it and disseminating the um, the COVID uh, vaccines in the place. If you were to do that and you had tens of thousands of scientists working on a project, well, just like if you were having tens of people working on a document, you wouldn't use Microsoft Word. Word has a place and everyone has it on their computer, but you're gonna collaborate and use Google Docs. It's just a way that people can have permissions, version control and override on top of it. No different than a parallel file system. So what Weka is, is a modern and limitless parallel file system that's easy to deploy at any scale in the cloud or on-premises for the people in the data center, solve big problems, whether it be making the vaccine or figuring out who gets the vaccine first. That's really important. So we're working with some of the CIOs in the federal government to do that right now, which is huge. Or some of the cool things in AI, I hope we get a chance to talk to it, like autonomous vehicles going down the road. And you know, I don't think we're offending anybody by saying some of those autonomous vehicles, David, like you know, for example Tesla, get rated the highest by JD Power and Associates and are universally regarded as one of the highest, most safest vehicles. And they have the ability to actually go up and down and actually have asynchronous uh, transfers across those 220 sensors on a vehicle up to a satellite. And they navigate around a skunk in the road or a yield ahead or whatever may be out there. And then some of the people listening today might say, well, I'm seeing AI use every day. I'm seeing an Amazon Go store pop up or I've been to an Amazon Go where you actually go and some people call them Whole Foods. Mine's still a Whole Foods, but you buy some great produce, probably organic. And you walk out and you pay a little bit too much for the food, at least I think we do. And then you're on the way out, you no longer wait in cash register. You walk right through and you flip off your iPhone, or I choose an iPhone, I think it works with Android too, but you walk out as part of it. And there's all, all lines of uh financial services on stopping false positives and stopping fraud as part of it. But my point being is we happen to be in the news a lot because of the COVID vaccine, happen to be in the news a lot about COVID resiliency, but it's all facets of AI and I actually think some companies in the Fortune 2000 and the Russell 2000 are using this time. Some people said, with chaos comes opportunity. You've probably heard that before, David. You know, They're taking this time to double down on the competitive advantage and launching AI initiatives across the whole business, whether it be retail, manufacturing, et cetera. And there's, some of them are choosing, or most of them are choosing, uh, to use Weka as a competitive advantage. So it's a great time to be here at Weka.
0: I love the name. I I love talking about how the scale of data. I mean, at most companies, you think about gigabytes and terabytes and even bigger into the, the petabytes and exabytes, but you're taking it one notch up. And so thinking about data, it sounds that the amount of storage and compute, it just continues to scale. And perhaps the thesis is we have not reached peak data yet. It's only just the beginning.
2: It's true. It's funny you mentioned that. A lot of people ask us, your average transaction, what is it? Well, you'd be amazed. It's a petabyte. It's a petabyte. And it's not replacing your core general ledger or ERP information. It's a brand new AI initiative. You're taking this information, and I'm sorry to reveal this, but Forrester shared some data, and IDC backed it up. And my friend, Kathy Island, when she interviewed me, said the same thing. She goes, is it true, Ken, still that 71% of corporate data goes unused? Do you think about how much money was spent to create this information, David? And it's going unused. So that's amazing. So the average sale for us is a petabyte. And that's two-thirds of the time it's on-premises, one-third of the time it's in the cloud, every time they go between the two. So if your users are listening right now and your listeners are listening through it, is the hybrid world real? Oh, yes. Hybrid cloud is everything. In fact, many of our larger uh, life sciences customers buy something for the data center, move it up the cloud same day, and then restore it back to the cloud. And then do mixed workloads based on whether it's better economically or throughput-wise or IOPS-wise or latency-wise to on-premises or out there. And then I won't say what part of the US federal government said this, but when we told them our average sales a petabyte, and our largest one in production was over 170 petabytes, he said, ah, that's cute. Our sale with us is going to be well over an exabyte. So uh, the scale is huge, but more importantly, what you can do with the information. So you know, and the best test of time to bring it back to COVID is, you know, putting the information and having all the scientists work through it and work through the, you know, the genome structures, work through the uh, actual muscle tissues, and the reverse as far as actual uh, physics is part of it, and the actual science is part of it, to actually figure out the way to get COVID for a treatment, and then more importantly, to dis- actually disseminate the right way across the different geographies. It certainly makes an awful lot of sense, but yeah, we live in a new world where, you can actually have someone on your show talk about. I sold an exabyte, and we deployed an exabyte. And our average site is, you know, between fifty and seventy petabytes. And our average sales a petabyte. It's a whole new world to go through it. And I remember um, my first job was working at EMC. I was one of the first inside sales reps at EMC. I got it in nineteen eighty eight, and we were selling. I'll never forget it. It was two hundred fifty six megabyte. I know I'm the back to a one meg and two meg boards or memory arrays for system 36 and we were also sold 256 kilobyte and 512 kilobyte memory boards as well. So you look how much things have changed in you know basically one career around 30 32 years. But the ability to harness data is going to make or break companies and make or break individual careers in my opinion David
0: And now, Kim, prior to the pandemic, a lot of companies were all in on just on-premise or all in only on cloud and multi-cloud strategy. But we're now hearing this emergence, as you mentioned, about hybrid cloud, joining the two together. Why do you think that's so relevant today?
2: Well, I can certainly think if you're at a university and at the end of the day you want an AI project, and I'll cut to the chase, not just for the greater good, but to recruit great talent. If you're Harvard or Yale or Princeton or Stanford or MIT or Oxford or these incredible universities, you need, to, you know, the phrase publish or perish. You need to come out with great AI projects. That usually never endeavor, endeavor comes into some type of cryo and microscopes and some type of huge work that only large, brilliant universities would spend their time on. So when you're doing that and you're recruiting that type of talent, you're putting it into action. And that's probably going to be on-premises, so, so people can see it, people can look at it. And then, yeah, for the, for the fifth year of life, for the highest latency, highest throughput, you probably stay on-premises. But at some point, people say, wait a minute, my resolution for vaccine or my resolution for COVID resiliency or my resolution for the hot data, we'll call it, the first petabyte, that's got to be on-premise. But a lot of people saying... Wait a minute, when things get warm, when I believe in a recency bias, so whatever has been used the most, that's where you're making money, money from or making progress from. But David, what I've found is, and our customers have shown us this, when the data moves up to a warmer level and you want to save some money, you still want it. No one deletes data. This data is power. It's the new gold. It's the new oil. It's the new source code. But when that data goes into less hot or warm, there's some economical ways, and we partner with lots of companies. I know you do as well that IBM does a great one, Quantum does a great one, Scality, Clouding, et cetera, that has some on-premises object store. And you get some cheap and deep storage that you have the warm data available. You know what? All of our clients, and you said it better than me, a hybrid strategy, all of our clients have said, wait a minute, put that up in the cloud. So for backups, restores, archive, they're going to the cloud on it because you can wait a little bit of time to retrieve it, but you don't want to lose it. So kind of a trifurcation. The hottest data is on-premises, usually. Some of the object stores are very adjacent to it, very close. And then long-term backup, recovery, archive, uh, long-term use. And I put the category for uh, acquisition and target and maneuver is actually in the cloud. Now, sometimes people go all the cloud all the time, but I do believe the ability, there's not as much switching cost in moving the data and having a data mobility feature that goes from on-premises up to the cloud and back. So. If you look back to your life, I have an iPhone X or an iPhone 10. Some cutting-edge people might have a 12. Years ago, you used to get the phone for free, but you had to sign up for a three-year contract or two-year contract, excuse me. Now you don't. Now I got to pay $700, $800, dollars for the phone and still do a two-year contract. Or maybe some of the carriers don't have it. What's changed is the switching cost is easier. There's less barrier to entry. So the switching cost between on-premises to near on-premises, we'll call it near-line, to offline or up in the cloud, actually it's online, but off-premises, it's easier to switch. And with solutions like Weka, not to call us a glorified data mobility plumbing, but that's what we really are. we allow to put the right data at the right place at the right time to so you manage your information across the entire life cycle. So you make the money when you need it, and then you don't lose it when you really want to protect it for data protection. I hope that helps answer the question better.
0: I think it does, Ken. And I think when you're talking about the scale of data, the petabytes and the exabytes, when we're thinking of both cloud and on-premise and the hybrid combination... A lot of what we're seeing today is the need to compute faster, the need to have a distributed nature. And that's a very um, exciting moment for running systems in parallel. But not everyone has thought about those use cases. They're, I think, still the beginning of, you know, you think classically machine learning, AI, distributed nature. But can all companies take advantage and get benefits out of distributed
2: compute? Great question. If you don't mind, I'll tell two real use case studies. I've been on other uh, video blogs and they've told me that they remember the case studies really well. So a quick one, uh, we, we supply to untold studios. Okay. They're not Netflix. They're not Disney, but they're an up and comer. They're a studio in the cloud. In fact, Amazon web services promotes them quite well. What they did is they helped get the Sony PlayStation out. That was a, a successful product, very hot. And it always came off the holiday season here in the States, but that was very successful. And they did some incredible immersion type uh, CG type uh, commercials, 30 second commercials in the States on ESPN, every commercial in the past football season, which they're now in playoff seasons, was all about it. So, to answer your question, we supplied Untold Studios. Their competitive differentiator was they did everything through AWS and their talent base was geo positioned everywhere. So, if they found a, a great artist in Portland, Oregon, sign them up. New Zealand, sign her up. Somebody else in Belgium didn't matter. So, where you lived and hanged your hat in a COVID world didn't matter. They kept going. When you think about it, traditional Hollywood shut down during the beginning of COVID because you couldn't break the unions. You couldn't get the talent, the labor, you know, the, the Brad Pitt's, the Reese Witherspoon's to go on site. You know, you couldn't, so you couldn't create any of the content. We watched, I know, the Tiger King or things like that. But what Untold Studio was able to do is enable them to create content, get the Sony PlayStation out. There was still some supply challenges there, but that was hardware-based, not software-based. But we love talking about Untold Studio it is a great example of uh, cases that are out there, and then another quick one, smaller. And I, I don't want anybody listening to me to get intimidated. Like oh, he's talking about the U.S. federal government. He's talking about you know Thomas drivers. He's talking about you know, people that are curing cancer or Alzheimer's. It's not for me. I disagree. Some of our clients literally can click, 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 use AWS tomorrow. One of our smallest on-premise accounts is Oklahoma, a research medical facility, and they're a completely charitable foundation. In fact. Michael Dell, quick shout out to you. You actually donated their servers and you donated their network, which is incredible. A specific individual there knew that for them to make research, although they love donations and the cost of a donation, exceeding every donation, we all know is free, David. But they said in this particular case, they need to have a parallel modern file system with no limits, no compromises, it was so important because if you're going to bring all these engineers and all these scientists, you want to make breakthrough discoveries. So. They were honored to get the dedication from Michael Dell and the servers. I think they were RA640s. And I think they were honored to get the donation of some of the network gear. I think it was Mellanox, I believe, through NVIDIA, now owned by NVIDIA. But the parallel file system was so important for them, they actually invested and they bought Weka. And they're a great reference for us. And uh, I appreciate it, along with uh, TGen and the City of Hope, they've talked about it as well. But my point being is that site started with only 64 terabytes. You know, five years ago, we'd laugh like, who could ever fill up 64 terabytes? Now, I'm here as an executive at Weka, saying that's one of our smallest accounts on premises. On the cloud, it's a lot smaller than that, but that account actually yielded some dividends. and We just got a phone call not long ago, they've already completed that, and they're actually at an object store very recently to that. So it could be as small as you want it to be, and for real money, that might be $50,000 to make that happen. So these are not all multi $10 million projects. Some are, and those pay a hell of a lot of bills, and I had more engineers. But some are quite small and very nimble. And I I do think you're able to have a competitive edge at whatever size company you are.
0: I think tying the story together throughout your career, it's extremely fascinating to see how starting your early days at EMC with small data, or at that time, big data, these kilobytes and megabytes of data, has today into the 2020s become a new story of the petabytes and exabytes. And that's also spawned uh, the rise of a new title, a new role that we're seeing um, everywhere from startups to Fortune 500 companies, the chief data officer. There's a lot of benefit to it, right, around security, around control, around strategy. What are some of the important features you've seen or the needs for the rise of this new role?
2: Well, thank you. I'm hoping there's some young. I'm trying to pay it forward. Hopefully there's some early in the career, 20-something it says, what am I gonna do for the rest of my career? I heard AI is great. I'm telling you now, the chief data officer is where to learn and is part of it. You may not earn that job right away, but think about how important this individual is gonna be. And typically they've come from the HPC, high-performance compute environment, or David, as you eloquently said, the academic environment. And what happens in those environments, because they're a little bit static right now, and mostly they're doing Zooms or other type of environments, so they're not really thriving, given the, the uh, children and the students and the faculty are not on campus. What's happening is some are being, let's say, recruited by the Fortune 200, trying to press that competitive advantage. And if you look at it, and you could look through the stock market, through all capital markets throughout time, coming out of a tough period, the bigger tend to get bigger in the short term. So what's happened is a title has risen. It's called Chief Data Officer, as you said before. Some of it is compliance, and there's certainly a Chief Compliance Officer in there. But more important and more exciting is building out new applications that grab market share, and new revenue streams using that, what I said before, 70% of your data, corporate data was unused, go through those huge corporate jewels and find out what's really important for them and put them in other uses and new customers and new places during that period of time. What the chief data officer has got the commission to do is be the bridge and the liaison between what I would call the HPC or the data scientist, which to be fair, are always thinking about what's possible. They're the ones who were, when John F. Kennedy said, we get to the moon by the end of the decade when he said that on Rice University, you know, in the 1960 time frame, they're the people who said, I know how we can do that. No one else figured it, but they could dream and make that happen. And ironically, you know, with Martin Luther King with I, I have a dream type of speech, they're the people that dream and know how to make things happen, maybe on a different timeframe than the corporate America. Now convincingly, IT, corporate IT, let's call it a CIO, they have the rigor and discipline that we've all been used to. When you're a new employee, you love the fact that you can provision a new computer, and it works, and you have password protection, and you have encryption, and no one's going to break through that network. The CDO has got the unique skill set of bringing the best of data scientists and the best of corporate IT. So some people can say corporate IT is safe but slow. Some people say, hey, I love what these data scientists are doing, but it's too abstract, and you have to put some time parameters on it, and we have to put dollars and cents behind it and ROI behind it. Boom. The CDO does both. So David. We're blessed that that's our persona and that's the change agent that we've been selling to. There are people out there saying, I have a storage refresh coming out. There or some storage coming off a lease. What could be a great solution? Yeah. What we'd rather be is the brand new greenfield, the brand new environment where you want to make your money with and put your chief data officer in charge of that. And literally, and I've spoken in a few conferences, namely ThoughtSpot and a few others, where they actually have chief data officer type commissions and trade shows and uh, larger events, and that's the type of chain agent that is not just investing in something like a, a modern and limitless parallel file system, in the case of WACA, but they're becoming the change, agent. the people get promoted within the companies that are out there, usually from academia or from HPC, but has the technical rigor that they, they have the credibility for normal IT. So the CIOs trust them, but so do the data scientists, and more importantly, they're the people driving the new revenues for the CEO.
0: I think what's so unique about everything that you just shared, Ken, it's bringing the theme together around storage and the theme around data. Storage is everything. And if you can't successfully store your data and have the speed, then your applications aren't resilient. They're not running Fast, they're not running always online. They're not running whenever and anywhere. And so, I think uh, the unifying theme I'm hearing today is that storage is so important to power modern AI initiatives and modern applications. Can you share with us a little deeper dive about your take on storage and why that's important today for applications?
2: Well, someone once said, "If you want to stop a car, the car doesn't stop the car. The tires on the wheel stop the car. So you better buy good tires." good advertising by Goodyear. What do you think is closest to your data but the storage? So I realized with all due respect, it may not sell as many magazines or as be on the front cover as many magazines as it did years ago. Sorry, I was. you mentioned before, I was humbly one of the first employees, employee number 110 at EMC. When I first started in the business, you bought a computer. Imagine this world. You bought a computer from or a super mini from either IBM, DEC, Prime, Hewlett-Packard, or Wang. And they all had their better attributes. Wang was great in word processing, for example, and Scientific people tend to buy Hewlett Packard if you're a business person at IBM. It didn't really matter, but you bought one of those. And unfortunately, what, how EMC came about was it was unfortunate when you bought from that computer, it kept it captive on what memory or storage you bought from. So imagine this. And everybody who bought a computer knows you get upgraded every three or four years.
3: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone.
2: Well, because just building around you, everything changes. So imagine buying this on behalf of a company and being told you bought an HPE computer, you have to buy HPE storage, or you have to buy HPE memory. That was suffocating. You were chained to it. And you know they made 90% margin on the product, and they weren't trying to be very innovative. So the birth of a company called EMC came from that. They kind of defined the storage business. I don't know who's on the Mount Rushmore of storage. That might be a whole show for you, Dave, to do in the future. But I guarantee you that Moshe and I or Dick Egan's two of those four. So Dick basically created EMC. And I was blessed to be employee number 110 as part of that. And we made storage not an afterthought, but a forethought. Because if you think about it, just like when you break in a car, the tires and the friction of the tires stop you and save your life. Not the car. The intelligence tells the tires of the wheels, which tell the tires of the braking system as part of it. But it's really more important than you think about it. Just like a fishing line as far as the actual uh, fish when you're catching that, if you're so inclined to do that stuff. But as far as storage for us, EMC kind of made storage relevant. And I talked to my brother, he works at Dell. And he tells me a big part of their quota and he has the whole quota for a big part of the Midwest. A lot of that is still storage, even more important than the clients or the servers that drive it, which is impressive. But I think Rec is doing is such a renaissance with storage that the dedication to it and the proximity to the data is so critical. You're going to see a move of moving that storage from an external array. Ready for this one, David? You'll see some reference architectures where you actually move that data that's on the storage closer to the processor. My friends at SAP have already done that. If you buy SAP HANA or you read it in the magazines, all they talk about is SAP HANA. It's inward memory processing for SAP. It's a way you get it faster, 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 and then you let the long-term processing go to the cloud or an object store, makes sense. I think what you'll see, probably with our partners at NVIDIA, I think you'll see the ability where the storage actually comes becomes closer. And we haven't talked about GPUs that much, but graphical uh, processing units aren't for gamers anymore. In fact, most AI initiatives, you know that, are, whether it be NVIDIA or AMD or some of the other GPU environments that are out there, you're going to see the proximity of storage getting so close, it actually might be in the GPU long term. And uh, I think that's a killer app that would uh, make storage even more relevant, given the proximity to actually the server and processing. It's not just the size. It's not the cheap and deep. It's how fast you get things done. So um, there's a book by Bill Gates, I think we've all written, but Speed, at the, um, Visit the Speed of Thought. We're getting very close to that. And then some of our best clients, especially uh, for those in New York City who are listening to me on the hedge fund business, you know nanoseconds made differences. If you ever read the book Flash Boys, you know there was reasons why they actually put carriers and conduit from Chicago all the way across um, the Hudson River out to New York City. To gain nanoseconds and microseconds and nanoseconds as competitive advantage, but uh, yeah, I do think storage is going to have a renaissance, or is, we're living it right now, part of AI.
0: I like how you bring up the different companies that are involved, not just in storage, but also in compute, you know, mentioning about NVIDIA, and we're seeing that it's bringing both of these together. In fact, the convergence of storage and compute, of taking things like Flash, of GPU and cloud. Why are we positioned as a society in such a unique time for this convergence?
2: Well, there's really three metrics in there. You said like one of our sales presentations. So if I was meeting the CIO recently, it's almost like you're a bug on the wall. My God, you've done some great research on this. But really, three things have really changed. At the end of the day, GPUs are more prevalent than ever before. It's uh, we actually can talk about. You can do a whole session on what GPUs can actually do. And I mentioned before one of the best use cases were in the case of Amazon Go, just turning a Whole Foods to a place that doesn't have a, a front end register system. I mean, that's a reality. That's something I've experienced several times. And it, it's really kind of cool. So you're seeing the preponderance of GPUs be everyday life and creating a new reality for everybody on the compute side. On top of that, you have elasticity. the elasticity of cloud is huge. So you don't need to be a giant company with 10,000 employees to leverage the cloud. You could, David, you and I could start a company. This is great. You know, I think about America and about opportunity. We could do it. And you could start as little bit as, as cloud as possible. And the last thing is NVMe. The ability to actually harness the actual flash is huge. I used to run the flash group for AMC before I left. I was part of the general manager as part of doing that. But the ability to harness that is huge. I'll give you an example. I didn't know this, but one of our friends at IDC told me this. 92% of all the NVMe devices sold actually go inside the server. So back to that theme from five minutes ago, everything's getting closer to the compute. Proximity compute gets more things done faster, faster, faster. In theory, if they're on a computer, you don't have to go out to the stage to anything. Because when you do the stage, you have some amount of latency. So to answer your question, I see three different paradigms. GPUs being prevalent, NVMe being everywhere in the network, but especially in the GPU and the server itself. That's powerful. And then of course, riding the economics and elasticity of cloud. What's cool about WECA, we're riding all three of those. In fact, one of our investors actually is NVIDIA. I mentioned it before. And we're very, very close with them. We're blessed to have some reference architecture with them across their A100 and other things to come out in the future.
0: When we put this all together and and we tie it into applications and building for scale today, storage and compute, we're thinking about bottomless, right? Can we have infinite amount of storage? Can we be across multi-cloud or hybrid cloud? And can it tie in for the compute to get that distributed nature to scale the applications on demand? These are some of the topics, can we've been discussing throughout the show so far. What do you think puts all that together, why Weka is very well positioned as a modern data platform today?
2: Well, I think you mentioned the word bottomless. I like the word limitless. I don't want to have my manager, Laron, one of the co-founders of Weka, Really likes any, you know saying the talk track. I don't want to have any compromises. I don't want across the scale of simplicity, or speed, or scale. I don't want any limits. I want, in theory, storage to be everywhere. Weka should be storage everywhere. That's kind of our mission. We want to get to eventually. But to put it all together, what we're beginning to see, and I unfortunately happen to read an article. Well, Fortunately for me, but unfortunate data point that. 1.2 years ago, before Weka started coming on the scene and NVIDIA even got more prevalent and NVMe got more prevalent, all the intended AI practices and initiatives, there was going to be a fallout that over 50% of them were not going to have ROI. And that's unfortunate. Now that number has shrunk to less than 12% per the analysts we spoke with yesterday. And I speak with IDC, ESG, Gartner almost every day. The reason why it went down and the lack of success ratio got so high is people are believing, I'm going to go back to geometry class. Imagine the world of an equilateral triangle. All the sides are 60 degrees. Yes, I know triangles are 180 degrees between all of them. All the same sides. Imagine if they're all the way doing that. What's going to happen with that is you're going to put a GPO in the environment or cluster of GPUs. And then you're going to say, wait a minute, I can't just do it all in compute. At some point, I have to burst it out back to the clients, back to the people actually doing the work, the scientists, etc." You've got to upgrade your networks. I think that's why NVIDIA bought Mellanox. I think it makes an awful lot of sense. And then on top of that, you say, wait a minute, I want a parallel file system too, because I don't want to be waiting. The worst word, it's not a four letter word, but it should be George Carlin's four letter word, latency. You never want to have strength and aptitude and intelligence, but you don't have the ability to use it at that time. So parallel file system lets everyone use it all the time. And we take care of the locking and the overriding all the other management is part of it. So everyone can flourish it all the way through, kind of like a Google Doc versus using Microsoft Word. So going across those three corners, if you have a balance between the GPU, a fast network Mellanox, or maybe Arista, or Touring Gearbike, Porn gigabyte gear Tech Network, or Infiniband, in you know, the academic world, and then you have the parallel file system. When you have all three working in concert. That's where it happens. And what we're hopefully saying to everybody, David, is you can start as small as you want and go as large as you want. but Bring the ability and the imagination to solve big problems because I think storage and more importantly, AI-centric, AI-accelerated storage from Weka is certainly huge. And I love, I'm going to use a offshoot of your bottomless. I'm going to call it limitless. So it's kind of the the solutions are limitless.
0: I think so. And I think uh, everything I'm hearing today is that with storage and compute, it's not only on the cloud, but it's also on device. You've mentioned about how our phones have changed over time. Today, the average phone has gigabytes of data. I believe some of the new phones even come out now with one terabyte of data. So it's fantastic how we're we're seeing that scale. We're seeing machine learning chips on the Apple phones and the Samsung phones, which is going to enable storage and compute closer to the edge as well. And so I think for a lot of companies today, it's to know that you don't have to be only on cloud, you're going to be running on multi-device. And that leads to a lot of data mobility. Why is data mobility something that companies should be thinking about today when they're building applications and scaling for their audiences?
2: Well. One of the biggest features of Weka, and I, I came—I didn't come up with a new word, but our friends at Gartner gave me a new word last week: extensibility. Extensibility. I have to say it a couple of times. What that allows you to do is imagine the power. Now you just mentioned data mobility, and I respect that, but you want the right data at the right place at the right time. You know, in all cases, so you can capitalize. You can make uh, go faster and go actually press your advantage in wherever it might be, whether it be retail or manufacturing. The reason I say extensibility is for naming conventions, whatever file you create, you want that same naming convention, whether you're on-premises, whether you're in a cloud, whether you're in an object store whatever. And what's great about Weka, we haven't talked about it yet, it's one global file namespace. So you never leave the naming conventions and you never leave the actual policies as part of it. So the company has a certain amount of rigor and we want to protect everything. So it's um, full 512 kilobyte protected and data at rest and in transit, and that's what we do at Weka. so we never put your data in any type of vulnerability. But it's not just data mobility, it's data mobility for the right data, the right place, the right time. So it's kind of like an information lifecycle management, so you have that as part of it, and that certainly helps. But the extensibility is a, a nice phrase that Gartner gave us, basically saying what's cool about Weka? you're in the same file system all the time, and why does that help you? Well, at some point coming out of COVID, there'll be a company that's big that buys a company that's small, or more likely, David, Someone that's fast by someone that's slow. When that happens, you do some due diligence, but eventually you get to merge databases. How cool is it to have one file system globally for all of that? And now you're not saying, well, who hasn't said that? We'll get the report to you next year. We've got to sync our databases. Or we're working some type of batch work to go through it. No, no, no. You, time is speed. You can't fight physics and you can't teach speed. you get to aggregate that together. And acquisitions have to be done in days, if not hours not years and years or months and months. So I think, like I said before, I think the fast, eat the slow. If that's the case, the ability to move the correct data with the right naming conventions based on the right policies with the right security allows you to happen. So we're kind of known as the information lifecycle management type company. that does the global namespace and the kind of new modern storage way to do it. But thanks for asking an astute question. I think you actually gave me a little bit of a jab there by saying, is it just data mobility? You no, know, it's extensibility and data mobility. Very astute question.
0: That's right and I love the comment that you shared about the fast eating the slow we've definitely seen 2020 and 2021 accelerate into a fast world uh with the world this year rolling out vaccines with our you know recent inauguration of President Biden we've seen a new opportunity right where technology is integrating with society everywhere and we're moving into a space where the world can become a better place especially as these vaccines roll out but can you set the stage for us that what led to getting the world into the new normal as we're going to be moving into reopening later in 2021? What's some of the research that Weka's helped empower for today's uh, vaccine and COVID-19 research rollout?
2: Well, cool. That's very timely. Yes. And I, I I didn't get to see a lot of the inauguration, but, you know, as an American, that's always great seeing the, the transition and a uh, very patriotic day to go through this. So thanks for acknowledging that. And obviously, MLK earlier this week, um, as far as the day I'm off on Monday. But to answer your question specifically, yes, we're involved with the vaccine makers and the FDA submission. That was very, very important for us. So in one of the biggest races, at least in my life, and I'm 53 years old, everyone wanted to get our lives back. It's an inconvenience to some, but you know, it was unfortunately a lot more involved for others, obviously, depending on where you are and the whole uh, parameter as far as being involved by COVID. And my family was affected by COVID. My own brother had it, for example recovered pretty quickly, but you know, he's one of the lucky ones. Some people weren't as lucky. Now to flash forward, we were involved with the vaccine development, obviously with those. Most of those vendors did or suppliers did that through the cloud. And we have a solution for them in the cloud, but they also have a hybrid solution as well. So as they move out of the data center and go to the cloud, Records there for them. Same global namespace. But a part I want to talk through is is people always said, well you must have given so large databases and such large file systems over to the vaccine makers. Well, yeah, they were large, but they were around 10 petabytes. Actually, you and I talked about this offline before, David. There's a company out there called Genomics England. Wow, what a great tee up. Thank you. They were racing to do 5 million genomes by the year 2023. And David Arley and his team were trying to do that, and they were on that path. And then all of a sudden, March happened. Everyone's going to remember March 2020, where they were in that period of time, because everything changed. They basically pivoted and said, wait a minute, we have one of the largest data lakes in the world. It was 70 petabytes. Let's use this for COVID resiliency. And I don't want to get too much into the politics, but you can certainly understand, and David, you're certainly in the same one as, as well, because I know you travel internationally all the time. Certain parts of Asia was a little bit distrustful of where the cure is going to come from or the vaccine is going to come from. Certain part of America was certainly in a little bit distrustful environment um, during that, especially with our last president kind of fueling those fires. My point being is we were able to work with Genomics England and our partners, the Swinst the Swiss Institute of Bioinformatics. They actually housed the actual resiliency for COVID, because it's a very neutral part of the site. Everyone says you know Switzerland's a great right place to put that for banking and for staying out of warring factions. That was certainly great. So we had a great case study in the Swiss Institute of Bioinformatics. It's available on our website if you use so inclined. It's on their website as well. But Genomics England was where they actually did the COVID resiliency. I happened to work with Tony Scott, the former CIO of the federal government, who's advising the Biden administration as well as others. And they actually have a full plan that you're seeing in real from tier one through tier six. Tier one's obviously first responders, healthcare workers, et cetera. Tier two is obviously dentists and folks like that. And then people with asthma get into tier three. They actually did for the benefit of humanity, what would be the best quality of life? And I talked about this before. They were 28 petabytes of my former company, Dell Technology, and they were very happy with that technology. But if you do 5 million genomes divided by 28 petabytes, it doesn't work it as they say before homie doesn't play that game so they had to upgrade to 70 petabytes and here's the good news and you talked about alluded to before that company genomics england or that organization which is funded by very generous individuals and think about what they're doing they're figuring out who gets a covid vaccine at the right amount globally which is great they happen to have 10 storage administrators when they had the dell technology which is 28 petabytes they were able to reposition those individuals to other people during covid times And that 70 petabytes was managed by just one individual. So that's counterintuitive, but it's real. 28 petabytes, 10 storage administrators, to 70 petabytes with only one. You might say to yourself, wow, it's great that storage is growing and growing, but how are we going to manage it? When you have 70 petabytes with one individual, that's the answer. And to be specific, we also sourced to the federal government. They've been great to work with. But for all the right reasons, during COVID, they had to work one week on, one week off. And you want to talk about security, these folks don't get the advantage of using the browser. They have to use a lockdown terminal at the Pentagon with full clearance. If you're going to do that and you're working one week on, one week off, you better make A when you're at work. And so the demands of running a large environment based on 2003 technology didn't make sense. So whether it be GPF or a GPFS or Lustre, Spectrum Scale, et cetera, it just didn't cut them for them. They had to upgrade to a Weka modern file system because you were able to manage more. With less time and more per person, so that's kind of the answer. You've got to have a system that's a global, single global namespace, but auto tunes itself, so you can't be spending time doing bin files and you know uh, LUN management and things of the past. You've got to have it run and thrive, and you focus on getting new sources of revenue, new use cases, and new competitive advantage, and less on things that are taken for granted. And To be brutally honest, AWS and the cloud vendors have done that for us all. People assume to have uptime, you assume to have access. Work on the next wave. That's what Weka allows you to do in the next wave.
0: So, taking everything that we've been hearing today about the rise of storage and compute, the chief data officer the movement into these NMVEs and and this exciting new compute technology. And for good, with COVID research, there's been a lot of fantastic topics we've covered about the work at Weka. Ken, what are some of our next steps or actions you'd like to share with our listeners today to continue their journey with big data?
2: Great. Um, We ask you to join us over at weka.io. That's our website. There's a lot of information, a lot of white papers, a lot of solution briefs that you can read about feel comfortable about. Uh, we have an ROI tool we actually have that we just uh, debuted on there as well. A lot of logos, Microsoft, for example, a lot of huge customers, autonomous driving that you see. Thank you for scrolling through that, right? National Institute of Health. Obviously, we worked hand in hand with them with through COVID as well. But feel comfortable go through that or send me an email at grohe, G-R-O-H-E at weka.io or follow me on either Twitter uh, or LinkedIn. I'm a lot more active on LinkedIn these days than I'm on Twitter, but please do it that way. And then we'd love to a get you a free copy for you to try on AWS if you're so inclined to use in the cloud. Or if you, if for some reason, you want to do it on-premises, we do have some amount of kits. We're not limitless on the amount of kits we can send to people, but we do have some of our uh, our great friends at HPE and Supermicro and Dell and Hitachi Tower have loaned us some equipment that you can actually have a not a proof of concept, but a proof of value, POV kits, proof of value. So if you want to stick your neck out and show how easy it is to uh, gain market share and gain revenue with your company, we'll send you a POV kit. You can actually make that happen. They're typically around 64 terabytes. And uh, bring us your uh, biggest problems. We can make them happen. So whether it's on-premises or you use our cloud partner in the case of AWS Marketplace, we'd like to do it at no cost to you, no inconvenience. You'd be amazed at how well it can all make it happen. We don't have a Weka button just yet, but I do use an easy button. People have told us... That they do make it pretty easy and uh one of our customers has said you should change your name not to weka but in a weka a playoff you can get it done in about a week versus before you take several quarters if not years so thank you for the nice tea up i'd love to see you out either on linkedin or on twitter or email. I threw that out there as well and obviously on uh, go to weka.io there's enough space out there that you can uh, feel comfortable at your own pace you can learn at your own level and uh when you're ready we'll be ready for you and uh you need to know this little bit, Dave. You're a very technical person. We actually have four technical solution engineers for every one salesperson. So we're not a very sales-dominant culture. We're all about you know solving big problems and very technical by nature to get into your use cases. In fact, most of our people spend most of the time talking with data scientists or people representing data scientists. So if you're in that category, we'd love to help you out.
0: Well, Ken, it's been a pleasure. For all our listeners, Ken Groey, the President and Chief Revenue Officer of Weka, Thanks for joining us today on the Humane Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Humane Podcast. Did the episode measure up to your thoughts on ML and AI, data science, developer tools, and technical education? Share your thoughts with me at humanepodcast.com forward slash contact. Remember to share this episode with a friend, subscribe and leave a review, and listen for more episodes of Humane.
3: This is the story of the Wad. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding.